Welcome to the Practical Church Revitalization Podcast. We look at revitalization in real time, examining the ups and downs of revitalizing and replanting historic and legacy churches throughout New England and the U.S. Now here's your hosts. Hey, welcome back to the Practical Church Revitalization Podcast. I'm your host, Don McKinnon, and man, I gotta say, I have a different setup in my office today. Um, I'm still waiting for Eric to um, be available, but he is going on a much long-deserved, pretty much a month-long vacation uh, beginning tomorrow. I think tomorrow after he preaches. So uh, let me just kind of give you a little bit on Eric that I can, that I feel comfortable, that I think he wouldn't mind me telling you. There's some other things that I think he wants to uh, come back and, and discuss on here. But um, so Eric, uh, which you know by now, he uh, stopped getting paid by his church. His church uh, because of COVID last year, a lot of things happened. And um, long story short, he went back into the teaching world, and um, because of that, he. Um, uh, had to catch up on a lot of stuff that he hadn't been doing in over a year, like getting some more education um, for, uh, you know, like if you're a teacher, you have to constantly educate. Now, the difference between him and me in the teaching field is um, Eric is teaching STEM, which is a science uh, thing. It's it's really cool. It's It's those ones where you see them build robots and drones they'll build bridges all sorts of stuff uh, a lot of architecture and engineering um so that's that's basically what he was talking about um and it was interesting uh he he went back and um i don't know I, i'd say it wasn't that he loved going back um because we here in massachusetts uh, we did hybrid for most of the year, and uh, he had a lot of issues. But anyway, he's over the summer, he's uh, gone back to do summer school. Um, so he was teaching summer school, and then he was also uh, taking a few classes to catch up on his own personal education that he needs. And so, uh, and he's actually stopped uh, temporarily. Uh, seminary. So he's, I think he's told me he's four classes uh, shy of his seminary degree, but because he's going to need his teaching degree, that is taking precedent. So anyway, and there's more to the story, but that's what's going on with him. So uh, if you're wondering, is Eric still alive? You know, is, uh, uh, you know, what's going on? He's still alive. He's still here. He is planning to go uh, the end of August to um, the uh, replant summit because it just happens that uh, because of the new the new schedule where instead of it being uh, Monday Tuesday I think it's Thursday Friday this year uh, it works out with Massachusetts's um, school system I'm not going because I am working I am in my final three weeks of seminary. And uh, I need to fly out to Missouri in December, 
And so money for us is tight because uh, I'm a substitute teacher. I don't get a full salary. Um, I'm hoping that I'm going to be actually able to use my degree um, to because it's got a lot of history um, qualifications in there. I'm doing quotation fingers while you can't see. <laughs> but um, it does a lot of that. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that I'll be able to get in uh, to teaching history. But uh, that isn't a guarantee right now. And, um, you know, we've got some, we've got some things that I have to really uh, think about around here. Um, where I'm going to be finishing up and, uh, you know, just some things I, I need you guys just pray for wisdom on them, uh, because there's, there's some stuff that we've had going on around here that, um, is unexpected and it's, uh, typical church revitalization stuff. And, uh, that's kind of what I was going to talk about today is what happens when you are in a revitalization, but things are not going the way that you want them to go. And what I mean by that, and I know you're going to hear my squeaky chair, <clears throat> but, um, you know, let, let's think about this in, in these terms. So a lot of people, um, you know, at least I've heard this a lot in my context is where people will say, well, you have um, a church, you have a church building. So up in, in the New England area, we have uh, what was Send Boston, I believe now the North American Missions Board calls it Send New England. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think that's what the thing was becoming. And so in that context, what we've had is um, basically people are um, coming up to this area. New England is, uh, you know, within that less than just, you know, less than two, less than three percent um, missionary scenario of evangelical Christians. So um, the Southern Baptist Convention sends people here uh, to plant churches. And what we've seen, and um, I don't know, I don't know how much I can really say, but you know, one of the things that we've seen in this area, is that uh, within five years, half the church plants are closed, closing, have failed. I can tell you that as I came into this area um, to begin my ministry at Legacy, um, there was a guy in... Um, so Legacy Church is in Sutton. It's a farming community. It's about 20 minutes from one of the big cities, so it's kind of like that typical, um, I don't know what to call it there, you know, the typical church environment where you see, um, you see people, they're in the farm and they look out in those movies or TV shows and they look up and the big city is in the uh, background. Uh, you could say that's kind of what we are um so we are 
20 minutes from Worcester. It's the second largest city in Massachusetts, second largest city in New England. It's probably going to lose out either to uh, Springfield or Providence soon. I think even, possibly even Harvard, uh, Harvard, <laughs> possibly even Hartford um, soon. But it's one of those things where, uh, you know, you're just sitting there and you have um, the city in the distance. And so there's been a lot of church plants over in that area. And uh, like I, I was saying is there is some churches that have closed up that were there four years ago when I was just getting ready, uh, beginning my ministry here in Sutton. So we hear all this stuff of, oh, the advantages. Why did those churches close? A lot of those churches, a lot of these church plants, at least here in New England, and I'm sure in other areas, they're closing partially because it's becoming harder, at least in, in Massachusetts, it's becoming harder for some churches to secure locations. Um, so if you're a church plant, um, you know, you're, you're, you're sitting there, you're trying to establish yourself, you're um, trying to build a reputation. And what's going on in uh, some areas is we are seeing where the churches are um, basically... Uh, you know, they're renting from movie theaters. Now, I can tell you that another church just closed that I found out. Not even, not even, um, not even SBC. Uh, it's another network. Uh, they just closed their camp, uh, well, not campus, but they closed a church plant down uh, that was in a movie theater. The movie theater closed. COVID it ha had been going on which caused that theater to close. And um, that church plant, um, which I think is an ARC church plant, um, they ended up, uh, technically they're still a church, but they are not meeting physically. And the pastor, because of the stresses, just resigned. So you can see what's going on. And so a lot of people... You know, I, I know I, I feel like I'm all over the place, but my main point here is a lot of people say, well, you're you're an established church. You have your own building. And yeah, it's great. You know, you have your own building. If you have your own building, maybe you're an established church for quite some time. You know, you, you don't have uh, the burdens. You're not paying a mortgage. You know, the only things you have to worry about is paying the lights, um, the heating, if, if you've got like gas or or um, natural gas uh, heating and, um, you know, maybe the phone and uh, internet for, for the bills. And, and that's pretty much what we are. Uh, we don't even have to do a water bill because we have, um, we, we have our own septic system and our own well. So we're kind of that good self-sufficiently but that's the thing is, yeah, we have an older building. We have a 200-year-old sanctuary, and you have certain things that go on in those. And that's what I think a lot of people don't realize. Even if you have those partnerships, uh, some people who I, I know of, uh, I, I can tell you honestly, probably half of the guys I know that have planted churches in the last 
10 years since I've been part of the Southern Baptist Convention, um, half those guys have looked for churches, um, established churches to merge with or connect with or something. And there are some advantages. Um, there are advantages when you are an established church. So we're going to go from this. So here's the thing. Let me just kind of close out the first point is so you have stuff. You have building maintenance that comes up. And if you're not, even though it sounds like, well, you don't have a mortgage, the thing is, if you're an established church in revitalization and you don't have um, that many people. Now, we have a budget. We've j just been working out over the last few months, you know, looking to see what we have for a budget because our um, trustees have become very convicted about creating a building fund to help with repairs and future uh, work in the church. So that's what we're doing right now. That's what we're trying to do. Um, so that's what's going on. And so uh, we have that. Not all churches have that. They, they don't have, you know, they're, they're just making it day to day uh, by this, you know, paycheck to paycheck, so to speak. And um, when some of these guys come in, some of these church planters come in to those churches, um, the thing is, is the church plant may not even be as healthy as you would expect. Um, you know, they're making it and they've got partnerships, but of course, partnerships, uh, like, you know, if you're, you're getting paid out by NAM a little bit, that money gets less and less each year. So there's um, a whole slew of stuff that comes up. And this is what we're seeing is churches need to, you know, establish churches, revitalizations, need to be thinking about this. You know, do they want to join with a church plant? And I'm not saying that they shouldn't. I've seen, I, I mean, my sending church, um, they merged with a dying church and they became stronger. Uh, my, ch my church plant that I came from, um, the, the church had 57 people. They merged with a dying church that was down to 25 people, which 10 years earlier I had actually interviewed for the youth pastor position and they were 400 people at that time they ended up um being only 25 people and um that church now is i think nearly or at about 300 people um at this present course so you know there are good good things about merging so don't get me wrong i'm not poo-pooing i'm not bad-mouthing mergers. I'm trying to give you some some thoughts about, like, is this the correct way to go? So what we have here now is we have guys, um, they're looking. They're looking for those churches. And the thing is, is, is there a church in their area? That's the big thing. There is, there is um, I guess, what we would call sweet spots um, of areas, you know, like, there are areas that have this romantic thing, like everybody wants to plant a church in Boston. The problem with planting a church in Boston is there is no land to buy, and if you do find land to buy, like a postage stamp, you know, and when we say postage stamp, postage stamp 
Massachusetts language is like, you know, something that's probably 30 feet by 30 feet is going to be like a million dollars to buy. And so what we've seen is a lot of guys, they, they come to Boston to plant a church and they're nomadic. Um, if they're able to get into a place, um, the rents are astronomical. Um, some will, you know, I know of a few churches that have actually, um, the main campus, like they've started other campuses, but those campuses are really church plants out of them. Um, but they share the name of the church. So if it's Legacy Church, you know, you'll have Legacy Church, Boston Legacy Church, Charlestown Legacy Church, West Roxbury, stuff like that. But the Legacy Church, the main Legacy Church, will have, you know, the founding pastor, and the other ones will have campus pastors that are really the teaching pastor of there. And what's going on in a lot of those situations is uh, those churches are going around. So they may be in this school for a short time and then go to another school. They may find a partnership with a church that lets them use the building in the afternoon on Sundays or Saturday nights. But as far as mergers going, it's, it's slow to none. And in some cases where we're hearing the North American Missions Board really talking about uh, fostering and adopting, um, in a lot of those cases, a lot of churches around here aren't looking at that because it's, it's kind of a survival type thing. Every church is almost in a survival mode. There are churches that are doing well and they are planting churches and, and doing stuff, uh, but for some churches, it becomes a thing of, you know, what are what are they doing and how are they doing it? And, um, you know, like I can give you this, the brief history of our church here. Uh, before I came, the pastor had wanted to retire for four years before I came. And in that four-year span, he had um, three pastors interview for the position but he had gone to two established churches to see about the churches um, taking over, uh, taking over the church's campus. Now, one church that had come uh, created like a whole bunch of controversy um, in and of itself here. The other thing that happened was we had um, another church that came and because of the situation, and this is one situation in New England, is if a church is in a historical district. Now, I don't know what you know about um, the National Register of Historic Places. Usually you cannot um, add on to a building that is historically preserved, so to speak. Uh, so in our case, the um, 1829 building is historically preserved. We have a, an attachment that was added in uh, 1959. By standards, the 1959 building can be built on. Now, in a historical district, the difference is that they are trying to say that this district is historically preserved, meaning it has the essence of what this place looked like 
years ago. And in this case, what they've done is uh, the, the Blackstone River Valley says we cannot attach or build onto our present structure. Um, it doesn't work well for us. It means that um, if we add on, it's, uh, you know, so it's not that we can't add on. It's that if we add on, it has to be below the sight line. So it has to be below the lowest point of the roof, which would be our add-on. So it's quite possible we could, if need be, um, build a addition that would be like a new worship space, but there's uh, a lot of hoops that we would have to go over. And so that's turned off a lot of churches because they look at our current situation, um, our our sanctuary should hold uh, 230 people. It doesn't. Um, the pews would have to be taken out. Um, the question is, where do they put the sound booth? Um, you know, you would have to have a sound booth area. Right now, our current sound booth takes 15 seats out um so there's there's like a lot of stuff and that was kind of what a lot of these churches came they looked at the logistics and didn't want to and that's what's going on with a lot of churches here is uh i've I've talked to pastors i talked to church planters and they've had offers for uh church buildings but it just didn't meet their uh I don't want to say standards because that sounds bad, but you know it didn't it didn't fit the vision that they have for their church. So it really becomes a thing of you know what is going to happen. So in New England, um, this is where I'm kind of predicting things. Uh, you know, give you give you kind of like some stuff. Now, some stuff I know is gonna I'm gonna sound like a broken record, but there are things I'm seeing. I'm seeing right now. <laughs> where um, larger churches are losing people. Um, we can say it's it's for several factors. Uh, COVID being probably one of the top factors. A lot of larger churches are deciding to stay closed because the larger churches are feeling like um, they're going to become the, um, you know, the, the zone where everything starts, you know, everybody starts getting uh, COVID, so they don't want to uh, have that reputation, so they're deciding to stay closed. Um, you know, we had we had everything lifted in June, and I still know of several churches that have not reopened fully because of that. It sounds weird, but that's what's going on. Um, and a lot of those people are now leaving and going, finding smaller churches. I know of one church a few towns over where um, critical race theory is being taught. And um, my church and a few other churches are seeing increases in people from that church that uh, do not agree with critical race theory and are looking for churches that are not teaching it. And so that's coming out. Um, And then we have other churches where it's really uh, younger people they want to help churches um, become, I guess, missional, if you want to really be honest. Um, they look at smaller churches that are struggling, that know that they need to get back out into their communities, 
and uh, they're lacking people sources. You know what I mean by that is like resources that are people, and um, they're coming in and helping those churches. Uh, whereas in larger churches, what we've seen is, you know, if it's not part of the the bigger plan of the leadership team, then things are getting stopped, um, or things are um, just, uh, I don't know how to put it. I know that there's one church, uh, one big multi-site church where it happened with uh, one of their campuses. Uh, the campus was almost kind of running stuff independently, and um, the, the main campus uh, fired the campus pastor, brought in another campus pastor, and they stopped all of the outreaches and stuff that they were doing and this caused um the church to go from i think it was like 600 people to 100 people um and a good portion of those people followed the um the pastor over to the new church that he's a part of so that kind of um should show you you know some of the stuff going on here and so it really is a thing. So if you're a, a church planter, uh, or, you know, really think about it. Um, you know, is your plans for your church, um, you know, are they that big that you are going to forego getting an established building? You know, I, I know I know some guys, they, they wrestle with the idea of, well, I don't want to do two or three services right away. And you're not going to do two or three services right away. But if you get into a church building, you know, you're going to, you're probably within a year going to have to go to a two services if you get into a smaller church that seats 100 people. But, you know, this is what you, you have. And, you know, these resources are good. Um, and, yeah, there's going to be work that has to be done in a lot of these buildings, you know. I mean, the big thing that you're going to probably have to do is tear out the pews and put in pew chairs. Um, and I know pew chairs are, are an expense, but if you have those partnerships, that's the one thing that the uh, revitalizations don't have. A lot of them don't have uh, partnerships. And the other thing is, is that, you know, you can get in there and maybe that's going to be your home for five years. And maybe during that you make the improvements that, you know, can help sell the, the property where I know this, this is probably, this goes against Mark Clifton and a lot of guys, but here's the thing. Maybe you come in, you make the improvements, your church grows, you're at three, four services, and you know you want to get a, a building where you can go back to one service or maybe two services. And, you know, you can, you now have that resource where you can sell the building you have to another church that can come in and be blessed by it. But anyway, just some thoughts going on today. So I hope this helps you. I know this has been kind of a weird uh, podcast, but I uh, just hope that it helps you. So uh, this is Don McKinnon for Legacy Church. See ya.